0: As you navigate your wealth creation journey, you've probably asked yourself how involved you should be in the investment process and whether active as opposed to passive investing would yield better results. You know, in these turbulent times, where the markets have experienced certainly a lot of uncertainty, we've had the temptation to react to short-term movements, but it's important to understand how to apply different investment approaches during fluctuating market conditions. Today, we talk about that and i'm joined by fabrice Moizi and lisa stride who are both investment managers from investec wealth and investment and they're going to be taking us through the intricacies of active and passive investing lisa is a 29 year old fitness enthusiast who enjoys the uh, hit exercise yoga and running she also has a genuine love for people family and friends and uh, she considers herself an extrovert a meticulous planner and an organizer and uh, has also, I guess, taken uh, the role of coordinating and planning the lives of uh, many in her family as well. Fabrice joins me. He's a 34-year-old, married with two kids, and uh, enjoys spending time with friends and family, avid soccer fan, and uh, yeah, arsenal for his sins, it seems. And he also enjoys playing basketball and reading a good book from time to time. And uh, he started very early in the world of investments, having started out in a grade 10 or what uh, many of the older folk might know as standard eight. So Fabrice and Lisa, welcome to the pair review. And uh, Lisa, I'm going to start off with you and just get maybe some ground level definitions here. When we talk about active versus passive uh, forms of investment, what exactly are we talking
1: about? Hi, Aya Bonga, and thank you for that kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I think that where the lines can be blurred is that for both types of investing, a decision has to be made. So when we talk about the term active versus passive, it therefore speaks to how often investment decision or asset allocation decision needs to be made or reviewed. In in terms of passive investing, it's a strategy that tracks market-weighted indices or portfolios. Uh, Generally, you know, and most commonly is equity-focused but is becoming a lot more popular in in other asset classes, such as bonds, commodities, and hedge funds. In terms of our active investing approach, it's a lot more hands-on. There is a team of research analysts and portfolio managers constructing the fund or portfolio within a specific mandate, And the main objective with active investing is is to create alpha, beat the market benchmark. And, you know, as a simple example, in a pure equity scenario, that would mean beating the general equity market returns over the same period.
0: So a big part of this, Lisa, is really about, I guess, taking a buy and hold approach, much longer term, uh, rather than maybe tinkering and tailoring within your portfolio in response to, you know, what might be, I guess, short term developments, news or new information in the
1: marketplace. Absolutely. I think if you partner yourself with a quality active manager, they are making those decisions on your behalf. So you employ a unit trust vehicle. You, you're not paying ongoing tax or having ongoing tax events because the portfolio and fund can be repositioned and rebalanced on an ongoing basis without any uh, consequences. And you should be partnering with, with a manager that you believe is well positioned to understand what is the next best position for the investor or for the mandate that the fund promises to stick by. Yes, passive investing generally is a buy and hold approach. Typically as an investor you should be committed to understanding what what your exposures are. And that may mean that you do need to rebalance your your exposures within your passive portfolio. Whereas in an actively managed solution it is being done for you.
0: Fabrice, let me let me bring you in here uh, because you know Lisa made mention of Alpha as really, I guess, beating whatever benchmark we might look at. And Investec subscribes to active uh, management. You guys back yourselves to generate alpha. Talk to me just briefly, I guess, a bit more about what alpha is and why you find uh, an active approach to generating those, you know, benchmark beating returns as critical to your
2: particular approach. Thank you, Abonga, for having me this morning. Alpha is essentially the excess returns Earned on investment above the benchmark. This is the bottom line of active management. Ultimately, you want to deliver value above what the market is, is sort of achieving for your clients. The way we do that is conducting fundamental analysis to really understand what the businesses are, what the sectors are, you know, prospects, promise and, and positioning our clients for, for the best outcome given the information we have. And as per Lisa's definition, active management really talks to how frequently we're reviewing the investment decisions. How often do we do the homework to say, do we like this stock? Is it one we want to hold for the long term? Ideally, we want to be holders of a stock indefinitely, but we want to make sure that that isn't a default decision and rather an active one where we look at what the numbers tell us and we decide, fine, we're going to keep it. Not just the default buy and hold sort of uh, approach. And, and fundamental to this whole process is the belief that markets are not p- perfectly priced. So there is mispricing in the market and our job is to try and find that and position ourselves accordingly.
0: There would also be, for Brice, one would think, I mean, a, lot, a set of objective and subjective reasons for why people might not want to hold particular stocks. So, you know, aside from just being overvalued, there's all manner of questions now around you know, ESG, the quality of the management teams. Talk to us about how that, I guess, fits into the universe of what not to
2: invest in. So, very good point. I think the idea of active management, by definition, is holistic. So, we're looking at valuation, we're looking at quality of managers, we're looking at how these managers' decisions affect the environment and the communities they, in which they serve. It's it's a it's a very holistic and ongoing process that requires a lot of resources. So we've got teams of analysts meeting managers doing work to understand the, the industries that they, they're operating in uh, and that we want to be invested in. So that level of due diligence gives us comfort. And we've been fortunate that over the years, we've made more right calls than wrong, which ultimately is what uh, delivers the alpha for our clients.
0: Lisa, I want to bring you back in here. Let's talk a bit more about, I guess, the passive options. Fabrice has helped us walk through the holistic approach to active management. But let's talk about the passive investment options, both here at home and also abroad. And one would think, I guess, the benefits of passive investment or index tracking only makes sense if you've got a very wide and a diverse set of investable assets that constitute that index. South Africa is not so big a market in the bigger scheme of things. And so those indexes would, I guess, be much smaller and give you less by way of diversification benefits than if you were maybe taking a more global index that picks particular stocks uh, from not just South Africa, but across the world.
1: Absolutely, Ayabonga. And I think you need to join the team because you, you've hit, hit the nail on the head there. The South African market does have limited differentiated options when compared to global peers, albeit the, the industry here in South Africa is growing exponentially. The size of the, the South African market is tiny and compared to, to global peers. And as you rightly said, this leads to less diversification and concentration risk now what that means simply is that that can mean you've got overweight to certain sectors which is great if the markets are if the markets are going up that's fantastic because the larger shares pull up the index in a more aggressive manner compared to the smaller counterparts and you will see yourself doing well but in times where markets have run strongly and there is a you know a level of volatility or downward trend in the market due to uh, a certain event such as COVID, you can equally feel the pain on the other side. Now, obviously, investing in in general, when you've got equity exposure of any nature, you should be investing for the long term. To just give you some insights on a, potentially a tracker that would track the, the index of our top 40 shares here in South Africa, is that the The top 10 holdings make up 60 to 65% of the index, which is huge compared with the S&P 500. The American market, you've got the FANG stocks, which are our mega tech stocks known as Facebook, which is now called Meta, uh, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Alphabet, which is Google makes up 20% of the S&P 500. So you can see the difference in concentration you achieve when selecting. Either the JSE Top Forty versus your S and P 500. One obvious difference, I suppose, is the pricing. As the market in South Africa does develop, you will probably see the pricing being being pushed down. But SA passives de- tend to be a lot more expensive than than the offshore options. And the the global sphere, uh, you know, has reached a level of about fifteen trillion dollars in the global passive market. So so totally different, and I think that's great. I think investors should always seek to have. Greater diversification, whether it's local from local to offshore and market to market.
0: Many of the people who would be listening to us here, Lisa, might be asking themselves, I guess, the question that you've touched on there, which is around fees and the cost of this. In general, I mean, would a passive approach, be it here at home or even globally where you benefiting more from diversification, be a much, you know, lower fee type play than having an actively managed
1: portfolio? absolutely in general the the answer is yes and i think that as you're making investment decisions if you are happy to to own the market um and accept that you will never outperform the market net of fees then passive may be a good option for you what active does provide and where the fees are uh justified is that if you look or select and do due diligence and find you know some of the best active managers out there if they are continuously beating their benchmark and the market returns within their mandate of, of expertise, then the fees are justified. And those fees are in place to, to have a sustained commitment with that research and portfolio management team to make the decisions for you as markets change and as we navigate uh, new challenges that, that face us.
0: Fabrice, let me bring you in here because you know, I remember in the theory we were learning at school there was always this idea of a, you know, markets follow a random walk and that index will never be outperformed over a long time horizon by active strategy. So, so why, I guess, you know, would you undertake active management when really the theory is suggesting that there's really no scope to outperform a passive index tracking type fund over a long period of time?
2: Maybe let me start off by saying that never is too strong a word. I think (laughs) active, in many cases, isn't able to outperform passive. Uh, But there is a subset of active managers that certainly outperforms passive in the market in general. And what you wanna be is is in that block because that's the only opportunity you have to achieve above market returns. Ultimately, it comes down to, to cost, right? To your point earlier, Lisa. All asset managers, whether active or passive, own the aggregate index on average. Because active investing is generally associated with higher implementation costs, many managers fail to overcome this hurdle and beat the index. And, and consequently, on average, passive investing has often outperformed active because it's giving you the average turn of the market. At the same time though, a passive investor can, never outperform the market because your return is what the market is minus some applicable fees. So we back ourselves to be better than average in the subset of active managers and our track record speaks for itself. So as Lisa just said, I think you need to look at what returns have been achieved, net of fees. And if that's ahead of the market, then we've justified the fee that we have charged. But the reality is to have any chance of beating the market you have to be an active investor uh, it, it's that it's that simple
0: and with where we are now lisa i mean why why would we i guess encourage uh, people to consider active management um just in your reading of where capital markets are at the moment heightened uncertainty brought about by COVID 19 but also i guess much of the risk sentiment in the marketplace uh, why is the active type of approach maybe good for where we are now?
1: Thank you. I think that's a great question. And like all things, investments are cyclical. So where you're at is, is a good place to start. First off, I mean, it would be remiss of me as a wealth manager not to say that it's important for investors to decide up front what type of investor they are. Considering the sophistication and time you've got to dedicate to your investments, are you able to choose the right investment option for yourself? As I said earlier, are you happy to simply own the market, or do you want something a little bit more bespoke that you know can be designed according to your risk-return profile? You know, if you marry quality financial advice and and quality actively managed solutions, I believe you you get far down the road in appropriately structuring um, your long-term uh, family and financial objectives. You know, speaking specifically to where we see the markets now. We've experienced a very strong performance globally and locally. And what tends to happen when markets heat up, um, as you, as you'll tend to see people say, you see an increased level of volatility in the market. And this is due to a few things, you know, future uncertainty. Our economy is going to be able to sustain the economic activity that, that we've achieved in the last few months due to COVID and the COVID period that, that we've all experienced. When is the U.S. going to raise rates? You've seen South Africa start to raise rates now. And most importantly, you see investors and asset managers start to rotate their positions within their portfolios from positions and sectors that they've probably and typically done well in and probably or more expensive part of the market into other spheres and, and other parts of the market. And what that translates into is a choppy environment where it's harder to make decisions on when to execute when to invest, and where to from here. So on from that, you know, I genuinely, you know, believe that at this stage in the market, active management is the way to go. Because when you choose an actively managed portfolio um, in that quality sector, they probably have a much better idea of how to navigate the rough choppy waters that are ahead of us. And having said that, we are Pro and bullish on, on markets, but it is going to be a volatile ride with the prevailing conditions that need to play out post our COVID recovery. So I do, I believe that, you know, the active management at this stage in the cycle has a relative advantage to find the value in the market and be nimble in asset manager or stock allocation.
0: Of course, a big part, Fabrice, of that process requires some fundamental analysis and what, you know, you guys would call technical analysis as well, because the basis on which you decide whether or not this is a suitable stock to invest in based on your underlying valuation and the consideration of many of the operational industry and sectoral issues, you know, is what I guess is some of the value to clients who might look towards an
2: active approach. Indeed, as sort of to Lisa's point, Now more than ever, you get your value for money from an active manager because the dispersion of outcomes is so wide that simply being in the market is not going to give you, there's a high risk that the the, the outcome might be very negative for you. So we use fundamental analysis to increase the probability of, of achieving a better outcome. It's not to say that, you know, we have a crystal ball that tells us exactly what's going to happen. It's a numbers game. You do your homework and you increase your chances of, of having a better than average outcome. So we are fundamentally a research-based sort of institution. Our approach is active for, for that reason. And, and we take pride in that. Uh, and, and we've been fortunate that it, it sort of uh, we've gotten more right than wrong, as, as I alluded to earlier.
0: But you also use passive approaches for this, and maybe talk to me about how I guess that fits into, you know, the investment and capital allocative approach of uh, investing.
2: We are primarily a, an active manager, but we do use passive instruments. One area that we are sort of we use passive instruments most is is structured products, where where we construct a solution on the back of an index. We also look to use passive instruments for, let's say, for example, we have a positive view on the biotech industry. But that sector, we 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 do not have sort of fully fledged expertise internally to sort of conduct stock specific analysis to then decide what stock in that sector we want to be invested in. But on aggregate, we think there's a positive thesis for that sector. The way we would use our active approach to participate in that view would be to buy an index that's tracking that sector so even within the passive sector or the passive space we remain active investors not sure if that's coming across as as i intended
0: well it does because i guess what you're suggesting is that you do have some structured products that are constructed uh, you know, on the back of some indices, which themselves are passive instruments. So I, I certainly, certainly get I get that particular one. But Fabrice, just as we wrap up, and Lisa, I'll also get your perspective on this as well. If you had any message for an investor who's just trying to wrap their heads around whether or not you know they need to consider more than just fees in terms of uh, their investment approach, be it active or passive, what would that uh, parting message be?
2: I would say. If, 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 if your, your starting point is looking at fees, then, uh, you, you, you may not sort of end up with the best outcome for you. Look at what you're getting for what you're paying. I think uh, ultimately, if you're paying for a service, it needs to be justified by the value that, that service accrues to you. So l- look at it relatively speaking to then arrive at what is best for you. There's a place for both, depending on what the need is. I would say that that trade-off is, is an important consideration. If you if you focus on one side too much, I think you may miss the boat. But uh, if, if if it's a balanced uh, assessment, I think I think that will serve you well. Lisa. You have the last word.
1: Thank you. I think, firstly, start. So I would say to all individuals looking to invest, just start. You have to start somewhere. The longer you invest for, the higher the rewards going to be. It's often time in the market and not timing the market. You can time the market and miss the ten best days, and you know, for for that particular market cycle, you've missed a lot of the return that was available to to you. I think find out where your your natural bias is. Find out your risk-return profile. Do you have the stomach to have 100% in equities? And and those are the types of conversations that you should have with uh, your advisor or wealth manager. And then on from that, select select something that interests you and grow through the growth in the fund. Understand your exposures. Get excited about seeing a label on a water bottle and knowing that's in the fund. Little things like that. I think the the interest will will drive your understanding over time as well. So. That would be my parting
0: message. Lisa and Fabrice, I want to thank the pair of you for taking time out uh, to speak to us this morning. Fabrice Mohesi and Lisa Stride are both investment managers from Investec Wealth and Investment. And uh, they've been very generous in taking us through the intricacies of active and passive investing for episode six of our Wealth Creation Podcast series. My name is Ayabong Atawe. And uh, yeah, we're going to have to leave it here until uh, we meet again.
2: The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of Investec Wealth and Investment and should not be taken as advice, guidance or recommendations. Investec Wealth and Investment, a division of Investec Securities Proprietary Limited, member of the JSE Equity, Equity Derivatives, Currency Derivatives, Bond Derivatives and Interest Rate Derivatives Markets, an authorized financial services provider and a registered credit provider.